If Micah was talking to Judah and Israel between 738 and 698, which we feel pretty confident about that dating, then that means he was well before the exile. So if you read again, it says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of, of men. He's talking about gathering them back together, right? And you asked me, like, what's he talking about there? This is a straight up prophecy because what he's talking to, he's giving the nation text and prophecy to lean on once they've been exiled. Hi there, and welcome back to Study with Friends. We are currently in our final series studying the covenantal themes of land descendants and special relationship. This particular series is covering the last half of the latter prophets. If you missed the first part or would like to get the homework, you can find it at our website, studywithfriends.org. You can also listen to us whenever is convenient for you. Look for us on your favorite streaming app like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can now watch the ladies in action as well on YouTube. Let's begin today's study. So we did a little bit of this work at the end of the last group. And um, I would love for you girls to give me some examples, additional examples out of these, um, let's see, 15 books that we're trying to do in one unit. So 16. it's, well, we aren't really doing Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel's a little bit of a, He's his own thing. a one-off. Yeah. <laughs> He's doing so technically, thing. and then I'll say this again, um, technically in the Christian um, canon, Daniel is one of the latter prophets. He's one of the major prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the major prophets are Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. And then, so that's four. And then and the that's twelve to do with length, right? Yes. So not like importance. No, and that's. I mean, I mean, you can't really extract the two. But yes, is the is the um, is the easiest answer. Okay. Because Isaiah, Daniel, um, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah, those scrolls were huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the 12 actually formerly were all on one scroll. And so uh, it used to be called the Book of the 12. And so yes yes and and no to your question about importance. Because we have to understand that the canon, like what we read in the Bible right now, is was designed by God to be included. And so... God must have wanted more of the major prophets to be included. So therefore, you know, they must be more important. The words must have been important for him to include. Like Obadiah, God bless his little heart. He's one chapter. Yeah. You know, so, but it's good. It's all good stuff. Mm -hmm. No one's saying that's insignificant. But yeah, major and minor for the most part is about scroll length, but you can't extract the scroll length from god's implied importance yeah okay yeah could we pause for a minute and talk about canon Mm. sure (laughs) well no because i was we're not going to count talk about the councils and so forth right no i don't want to talk about like the whole history of the canon and all that uh but we were talking about the canon and you were like harping on you were like here's the most important thing if that you take away from this conversation is that the canon wasn't decided upon it was discovered yes and i just wanted to yeah but that was a conversation between you and i 
about my New Testament homework. Yeah, on <laughs> FaceTime. So yeah. we should bring the rest of the group up to. I'm, I'm asking you to, to. Oh, okay. So you're asking me to do reiterate that. and so, and so Gianna that, had a class important. in college about New New Testament literature. New Testament literature or New Testament? New Testament as literature. Okay. And, it, and I'm doing uh, great. In that our, class, by the way, <laughs> our family Thank jokes that like she never did any of her homework. I called me up and was like, mom. And I said, <laughs> you know, you got to uncover these things for yourself, kiddo. But I couldn't help myself because I love it all. So I would just start spewing out all. If I may defend myself <laughs> since you brought this up. If you had a, if you were taking a biology class and you had a immediate family member who's in grad school for biology, would you not call them and ask for some help? Yeah, you're right. Thank okay. you. So, what, and I loved having the conversation uh-huh. with you. But one of the things that I think you're trying to poke at is that we talk about how did the books get that are in here get included and who decided what should be included because there are lots and lots of gospels, there are lots and lots of other books. We even know that the Catholic uh, Bible has more books than the Protestant Bible. And so Maccabees. that can be, yeah, the Maccabees. Actually, I really strongly recommend reading the Maccabees, Maccabees story. because It's a fun time. It's, it's, a, it's also foundational to understanding mm-hmm. the political climate of the New Testament when Jesus came onto the scene. However, it does cause people to wonder sometimes if this was an arbitrary thing. And so what the, way, the best way that I know how to explain it is that the canon wasn't, compiled it was uncovered and what I mean by that is that the text itself firms up the rest of the text so if you have for example um, a a, a text that you think uh, okay let's say we were at the council of any of these people who decided um, if you had a text that you thought might be inspired by God and should be included in the canon, but it's not referred to by any of the other books that you know should be in the canon. Like once you start figuring out, okay, the prophets, certainly the Pentateuch, that's the obviously canon. The New Testament uh, canonizers had an easier time because the Hebrew Bible was already established. So I don't really, if I'm being honest, I don't really know how the Hebrew Bible came to be canon. I don't know what the process is, Hebrew his, temple history on that. But I do know that the New Testament um, early church was really invested in which of these are truly God-inspired and should be included in our half of the equation, the Christ revealed part of the and you know, obviously old and new testament that was not a terminology they were thinking of at that time uh so if if a piece of of text was referred to or prophesied in the old testament then that gave it you know you're like okay right okay that makes more sense so the canon wasn't really pick and choose kind of thing it was you know through prayer and great uh pains and the holy spirit it was uncovered to the people who were tasked with putting it together. Like God revealed it to them. Like this is in and this is out. And there are ways that you can figure, you can see that very clearly. Now, what does that mean for the Catholic uh, Bible and the Christian Bible? So, I mean, the Protestant Bible. What that means is um, there are some, so a lot of people are really like, why is Esther even in there? Um, Esther's a big one that's contested. Um, And, 
actually the book of Ruth is a little bit contested as well. And so people are like, why, why are these stories in there? Um, the Catholic Bible has, we just talked about Maccabees, that these stories inform how we understand the things that occur around them in the time frame. Um, the, I know you guys all know this, the book of Esther doesn't mention God at all overtly. And so a lot of people are like, well, why would that even need to be in there? So it's, it was much higher pay grade than me who figured these things out. But I can, we can see, accepting the canon as it is, we can see how Esther's really informs our faith, informs our understanding of God. Certainly if we apply this covenant lens, um, the, the Hebrews at that time were exiled. Um, this is a descendancy issue. Esther was a Jew, so that was a descendancy issue. And this special relationship with God where she really was called by God to do something that was uh, turned the trajectory of the Hebrew nation at that time. So even applying this covenant lens that we're talking about today, you can also see the why some of those things were included in the canon. Is that helpful? Yeah, no, I just wanted to definitely mention it as we are going through this because such a big argument that I've heard and considered is like the Bible was written by men. Mm -hmm. And that's technically true mm -hmm. but it was inspired by the holy spirit mm -hmm. and it's difficult to it's it's really honestly very difficult to justify you know the protestant canon or even the catholic canon to someone who's looking at it just from the outside because it was decided in like the 1800s oh no way before like that. when was it oh no i don't know we should do a whole series on it yeah, i'm just saying like it was decided long after Jesus was dead. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's hard, especially when you see there's like, there's also a gospel of Thomas oh, and there's, there's the gospel of, of mm -hmm. there's like, it's, why Mary. don't we, why don't we know about her story? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy to, to look at it for a minute and say, Oh, that's just, it's propaganda. Mm -hmm. It's fitting their narrative. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to touch on it while we were here because you can dig into it mm -hmm. and you, you should mm -hmm. and you can ask questions and we should do a series on it. But it's not a loose thread that if you pull the entire sweater comes apart. It's it's a perhaps a loose thread, but it's not it does not compromise the integrity of the sweater that is Christianity. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> like you can dig into it and I encourage people to dig into it. Mm -hmm it's very interesting it is interesting um, and the truth is the more you dig in the more solid the reason the yeah. more solid it is in, it's un, it's revealed to you which is why we always start in prayer asking god to show us exactly what he has for us to see and different people are in different stages of their own walk and they have different questions like different things that challenge them or make them feel doubt let's be honest we all have doubts you're not a bad christian because you have doubts uh, you know we're human. So I guess what Gianna and I are both kind of wired to do is if you have a doubt, you go dig it up. You just go start digging through and yeah. find out what is the answer. Ask questions. Yeah. You know, do research, yeah. challenge things that have been said, consider your own opinions. I promise that Jesus will hold up. Yeah. But don't just accept, oh, this is canon because someone said it's canon. Yeah, I agree with you ask yourself why it's canon and you know like don't just don't be a sheep don't be don't don't be a sheep mm -hmm. 
have a, have your own faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, girl. Yes. We watched a documentary recently, you and I, of a faith that doesn't do that. Yeah. So, so I wanted uh, to yeah. make sure that we establish yeah. that yeah. Christianity and the canon hold up. You know, I, I, I often, I'm going to plug a book. I don't get any money from it. I don't even know the guy, but, um, there's a book, my favorite book in this, in this element, and then we'll get back into this particular content is, um, there's a, an author, his name is Paul Little. I keep, I have a bunch of them. You can, well, I don't know if anybody can see it down there. I buy this book in packs of 10 because I, I'm constantly giving it away. It's called know what you believe. She sent it to me and my roommates. I love this <laughs> book Be, uh, for a couple reasons. Because it tackles questions in like each chapter is a question that you might ask about what you believe and like is it is does it stand up? Um, it's a trilogy actually. It's know who you believe, know what you believe, and know why you believe. K N O W. Know what you believe, know why and who. But I particularly like know K N O W. Know what you believe. Uh, because like I said, you can just pick it up. It's not, you don't have to read it in a linear way. You can just pick it up and look at it at, at the questions. And it just answers them in a very practical way. Like why the canon is in there and like, why were these books included or what did Jesus really, whatever. And, um, so there are certainly wiser people than I who answer these questions, but it's a, it's a, it's a journey. Like we're not going to answer that question here today and be done with it. But it's the, honestly, for me, it's been the questioning process that has so deepened my own faith. And that's why I hope that you and your sister, um, and everybody who I have a relationship with or listens to me, hears me say, ask the questions ask the questions like I'm a skeptic at heart like that's who I am I'm a really I'm a curious person and I'm a skeptic I'm always like I'm sort of give some people this item I'm like what what in fact what do I say all all the time in this house the girls will say something I'll say source that (laughs) where did you where did that come from where did that come from because yeah and then I'm like (laughs) go go find a more reliable source so I'm just a skeptical person and I think that that's one of the reasons that um, that I've dug in so much. So thanks for bringing that up. Okay. You know what I see when I look for that book? I just see this beautiful bookshelf. Oh, yeah. You, Gianna, put this bookshelf together. Okay. Such craftsmanship. So, Gianna, I'm going to ask you to start in the Ezekiel passages okay. that you were interested in. And then I'm going to throw it out there to the ladies. Again, what we're doing here is we're looking for the themes of land, descendants, and a special relationship with God as they crop up in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12. And again, I'm going to say, I we did not, and no one should ever impose this theme on the text. We lifted this theme out of the text. We would never, I would never want to do it, and you should never, um, you should always uh, unpack it with a teacher who's teaching thematically. Try to really make sure that they're not pushing the theme into the text, but really that they're pulling the theme out of the text because it's just bad literary analysis yeah it's not well and it's also bad biblical study so you don't find have an idea and then find evidence for it. right you create an idea based on the evidence you see right well or you um i wouldn't even use the word create you form yeah you extrapolate sure or some people would say exegete okay go with your ezekiel girl so this is ezekiel 2 verses 3 and 4 And it's Ezekiel's call. And he said to me, 
Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. Okay. So tell me where you saw land, descendants, and a relationship with God. Well, the word descendants um, was in there. Sometimes the relationship is not great. And in this case, the relationship between the people of Israel and God is not good Mm -hmm. because they're rebelling Mm -hmm. and they're doing a bunch of bad stuff. Um, But even still, that is the relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a good, it's not, we're not always looking for a good relationship with God. We're looking for the relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So that's what I see there. Um, And I liked, I liked that. It's a good example of it's not all sunshine roses and fairy tales yeah and may i may i lean in and say they can't have rebelled or transgressed which is the esv translation of these verbs are rebelled and transgressed they can't have done that if they weren't in a special relationship to begin with Mm -hmm. you can't rebel against someone you don't know right like if you don't have some kind of relationship with someone you can't really rebel against them so we unpack it's a little bit under the surface there but i just wanted to mention that and of course you're right you said descendants do you see the land in here? I mostly saw a special relationship mm-hmm. um, because like you said, like the Lord, like, like you said, basically mm-hmm. they had a relationship with him. that They were rebelling against mm-hmm. him and he's like, he wants them to turn back to him. Yes, for sure. And that you're right. That leans into what we said a moment ago, which is the latter prophets and the prophets themselves are really there to proclaim return to your God. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see that's really heavy in all of the prophetic word that you read in, in all the prophets. But I just want to lift out, and, and you tell me if you think I'm, I'm making too much of this piece, because, uh, you know, I don't want you to be like just drinking the Kool-Aid. But if you look in, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels. So by separating the people of Israel and the nations around them Mm -hmm. he's descent he's uh disseminating between literally the land where israel is and the land where the nations are one of the things that i did in the homework i want to give some context to this one of the things that i did in the homework earlier than the content that we're going over right now is i i we we looked at who the audience was for each of the prophets and if you look at who the audience is so some of them are isaiah some are judah some are exile some are in the exile, some are post-exilic. Um, so you to know where um, the prophet is speaking in the uh, timeline of Israel is helpful. I'm making an assumption that because this is early in Ezekiel, um, that he's still working with them while they're in the land. So let me just double check that. Because then you can read this and say, oh, he is talking to Israel in the land and the nations who are in another land. Okay, so Ezekiel, Ezekiel is... It is um, partly his work was done partly during the divided kingdom. So part of it was to Judah and then part part of his time was uh, speaking to the nation during the exile. So after they got the boot. So let's think, read it again in that context. And I'll give you one of these two, Rachel, because they're really great reference. Um, so then if you think about it, he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel in the land. In the land where they are. And to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. So Israel has so that's rebelled two, against that's me. That's not that comma isn't 
That comma isn't a continuation of the same thought. It's a separate. It's to me because it says two nations. Nations plural. Which plural. Israel's one nation. To me, that's what I read in okay. this in this text. Again, so to I me, wish I had my Hebrew speaking roommate here. So she would no, be it's able okay because me. because we know that the translators they spoke Hebrew too. So we just have to really. I always to, like you to go have to, to zoom the, in. I always like to go to the original translation though and see what that Well, you can certainly that. do that. I have the strong concordance right there. But let's not do that right now. Oh my gosh, that's another thing I've never shared with you. Wait till you see that. See that big fat yellow book? It says Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. Don't do not pull it off, but I'll show it to you after. I'm just reiterating the go to the source and question your faith thing. Yep. Okay, so to me, when he says, I send you to the people of Israel, to the nations of res, of rebels who have rebelled against me, he's speaking of both sets as rebels, but he's de- dise- um, disseminating the people that are in the promised land and the nations around them who are observing them in the promised land. Because remember, the purpose of Israel was they were elected to shine a light on God and to behave differently so that people could see God through this nation. And so he's saying, go sort that out with them. Uh, so to me, it's under the it's under the text. It's not right on the top of the text, but it's in there. That land theme is in there. Yeah. And do you think I mean, I'm making more of it? Do you think I'm I'm full of baloney? No. You I should you could tell me. You should tell me if you think I am. I'd tell you. I know you would. <laughs> what makes me not think that you're full of it is that in the rest of the chapter and in the rest of Ezekiel's mm-hmm. call, you see yep. more references to the land. Actual and to, land. Mm-hmm. And to the people of Israel as a nation in a physical sense. Yes, in a physical place. Um, mm-hmm. That's Even great. the other like verses that we were reading in Ezekiel, that was definitely like land involvement. Yeah. Do you want to like, hit one? Them out of Egypt. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Yep. Say it again. How um, and it's chapter twenty. How it says like that God had promised um to bring them out of Egypt, and He had done so. And mm-hmm. so, like that's the beginning of Ezekiel that we were just reading, and it kind of like hints at the land. But then like in chapter 20, it talks about like exactly how he brought them out. I just happened to pull that up. So chapter 20, verse five says, and say to them, thus says the Lord God on the day when I chose Israel, I swore to the offspring descendants of the house of Jacob, making myself known to them in the land of Egypt. That's another one where you say all three of the special relationship. It's one verse and all three of the elements are in there. Very good. Thanks, Rachel, for doing that. What a blessing as we make our way through this final series, tracing God's covenantal themes of land descendants and special relationship through the latter prophets. We're so glad that you've been on this journey with us as we trace these themes through the Old Testament, and we hope that you've been blessed and seen your faith grow all the more. We hope that this will encourage you as you read the Bible to better understand the Old Testament and to love God more. We are a weekly Bible study like you will find in your local church. If you aren't involved in a study, we encourage you to find one. Make sure that they're teaching from the Bible in every situation. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent out his disciples to preach the word, saying, Freely you have received, freely give. We take that command seriously here at Study with Friends, so we have created many resources for you to use all at our website, studywithfriends.org. There you will find other studies, blog posts, and daily encouragement to help you in your walk with Christ. 
Just like those disciples who relied on the generosity of a host, we are also 100% donor supported. So if you are particularly blessed by one of the resources we work hard to provide, please consider a donation of any amount. A monthly partnership is especially helpful and no amount is too small. If you are happy to give it, we would be grateful and blessed to receive it. You can donate one time or become a monthly partner on our website, studywithfriends.org forward slash donate. We also love to hear from you via email at info at studywithfriends.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And be sure to check us out on YouTube. And remember, you can always stream us on the go on your favorite streaming apps like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time when we study with friends. Mm -hmm.